Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Elena Agar, who is a talent development specialist and education advocate. Elena, how you doing? Good, thanks. Good to be with you. Of course, great to have you. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Sure. Um, so a quick background, uh, started my career in higher education, I've done a few years of that, um, decided it was a little bit too slow for me. No, no offense to the higher education folks. It was a little bit too slow, too boring at some point. I'm a person that likes action. And then I decided to move into corporate learning. And so I've been doing that for, for the last several years um, in different talent roles. So I do talent development organizations. I also work with individuals. So that's a little bit of my career professional background. But aside from that, I also have a lot of fun doing podcasting. You were, of course, on my podcast just last week and we had a great chat. So you understand the passion for podcasts. Um, uh, I do a lot of volunteer work. I work with youth as well. And um, as you rightfully mentioned, I'm an education advocate. So I really try to uh, advocate for different initiatives in education and trying to hopefully make some kind of impact on the systems and policies we have in place that I don't always agree with that I feel limit our youth for opportunities so and um, I guess final thing what I like to do for fun is go to the gym work out I do a little bit of uh, boxing and um, bike riding and just uh, you know reg- staying active yeah Absolutely. That is a very full life. I like it a lot. Um, Tell us a little bit, dive a bit deeper into the education advocate piece of it. You said there were some policies that you don't like that you think limit our youth. What are some of the kind of main ones that pop up in your head? Sure. So I I come from that career development, talent development perspective. So just to put some, some context, right? So um, I have a big issue as many, many other people and actually coming from higher education, the big gap that exists between educations, uh, whether again, whether it's higher education or even schools and the corporate world. So there's this big gap that exists and a lot of it is because there's not enough structures, uh, initiatives, policies in place in these educational institutions that actually prepare students for the corporate world. The two organizations do not speak to each other very often. Maybe once a year, they'll have a conversation around the annual career fair and uh, companies that are realistically there just because they kind of have to be and they, you know, like tick the box for their recruitment season. But the reality is majority of the companies don't actually invest as much time, you know, partially because there's not a structure in place on a corporate side to be able to invest a team and time to go and do recruitment at companies, oh, sorry, at, at universities and vice versa. On the university side, there's also not that investment in the career development of students. And you'll have like one career advisor uh, who, you know, advises hundreds of students sometimes if we're talking about the, the large kind of four-year traditional institutions. So just the structures of, of these uh, of these entities don't allow for for to force to close that gap and in fact that gap keeps growing larger and larger because institutions can't keep up with the demand of the corporate world and the final point i'll mention is that sure other efforts on the corporate side other whole talent development uh, uh teams that go to universities yes but it's only in limited companies you only see this from like the big four you know the big consultancies the kind of mo- the large multinationals that can really uh, make that happen the rest of it doesn't the rest of the companies don't usually do a good job yet they ask for two years of experience or three years experience from a fresh graduate so so there's a lot of challenges within that and ultimately it all comes down to 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 uh, to create you know to having these kind of initiatives internal on both sides and policies in place um, to make that to close that gap gotcha gotcha i like how you focused on the gap between college and the workplace specifically because i feel like i felt it graduating recently you know, in the past year and a half, but also it's kind of a bigger trend on social media or it has become a bigger trend talking about the discrepancy between what college actually does for you and how it used to just set you up for a stable job and a stable life. And now it's like the jobs are harder and harder to find because you're less and less prepared coming out. 
Yeah. And well, listen, to be fair, like I like to try to keep it objective, right? So there are three responsible parties here. One, you have the individual, the student. Two, you have the institution, whatever educational institution we're talking about. And three, you have the corporate world. So by all means, I'm not expecting that higher education institutions, you know, invest all their money into career development, et cetera, because they're just, you know, some of them have 50, you know, 30,000, school I went to had 30,000 students. Some of them have 50,000 students. It is, you know, it becomes a little bit difficult to be able to give everybody that tailored career development advice. But my, my biggest issue, then let's not sell higher education as it's going to give you a job, because that's how we sell it. We sell it. So I'm good with not, you know, investing money. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm not good with it, but I'm, I'm OK if you don't want to invest money, but then don't sell it that this degree is going to get you a job. Right. And when you when I have this conversation with higher education leaders and they say, well, technically, the higher education degree is actually there for um, I forget the actual definition, but it's it's there to help you basically be part of us, you know, to be able to be part of the society, to hear different perspectives, to learn about how different people think and to have an overall general education about, you know, the, the different topics that is covered. And I'm fine with that, but then let's not sell it as it's going to get you that job because it doesn't necessarily. And so that's my issue on, on the higher education side. On the individual side, of course, you know, we also need to, as individuals, take responsibility and accountability for our own career progression. But we need support. You know, young people, I mean, you and I also, when I graduated from, from university many years ago, I also didn't really have that support. So it's like, we don't know what we don't know. And at least, you know, to create, to help us create those opportunities for ourselves. But a lot of institutions are missing that. And they, they, they follow very, you know, cookie cutter approach to career development of a student. And it, it doesn't always work. Most of the times it doesn't. And then the final piece is the corporate, right? Corporates who are requesting all these individuals that they wanted them to have all these soft skills and all of that. But at the same time, many do not have apprenticeships programs. They don't have internships programs. They, they don't talk to each other, these two entities. So, so, you know, it's not just on one side or the other. There's three responsible parties that equally need to participate to close this gap. For sure. For sure. Um, do you think it's realistic to expect the gap to be closed significantly without major changes like what are the changes that need to be made in a realistic sense outside of like overhauling the whole system that can right. effectively close the gap yeah sure and uh, it's unrealistic to to change the whole system but i think there's certain things that we can do such as so first of all, there are also uh, organizations like the Minerva Project that kind of, you know, they do this work around closing that gap by providing alternative experiences um, to, you know, working with institutions and organizations to help them kind of build up to close that gap in their own way. And we're still going to have those big institutions like the Harvards and Yales of this world. We're still going to have those and they're needed. They do research. So by no means am I saying, you know, get rid of higher education or anything like that. I think it is needed. But I think that within the institution, if I was a higher education leader, I'd be asking myself, you know, how, how, how actively are we actually looking at the curriculum? Because the changes in a higher education, I've, I've worked with several higher education institutions, and the changes take so long, like they're so, it's just so long. And, and just to ask ourselves, does it really need to take that long? Like, let's be realistic, you know, like reality, like, does it really need to take that long? In many cases, the answer is probably no. If we remove all the bureaucracy, if we remove all the fear of change, if we just kind of be a little bit more agile and active in how we approach change, as we do in corporates, right, we just adjust, we, we, could, we could really see success. So making even small changes such as requiring specific experience. Right now, most institutions in the US only require like one or two internships over the summer that a student needs to take in order to graduate to fulfill the credits for majority of the majors, right? Um, you know, there are certain majors that require a little bit more, majority of the majors, right? So making it so that from day one, you're doing experience from the moment that you're freshman, even if you don't know what you want to do, because that's the argument, right? Is they're saying, well, how, how are they going to do an internship if they don't know what they want to do? That's the point of an internship, to figure out what you don't want to do, yeah. <laughs> right? And a lot of times, so requiring that from, from day one, from the first semester at a, as a freshman, right? I think that's one small step forward. Um, to go beyond just one year annual career fairs, to dedicate some small resource you know, to uh, work with corporations on a more active basis, to engage the alumni more actively, right? Like right now, alumni are there to kind of raise funds and it's a lot of fundraising activities that happens when, you know, institutions work with, with alumni. But how can you utilize the alumni network to help kind of, again, bridge that gap, educate the students, give them a day in the life of, 
of, I don't know, an engineer, day in a life of a marketing person. Um, so these are some small things that institutions can definitely do. Um, corporates are kind of solving their own problem right now. They're just having their own academies and young talent programs that help close that gap. So they, you know, you, you get into, uh, you know, again, big corporates, those that can afford it, um, kind of bring people in in bunches and they train them up in their own way. Uh, they put them through different, you know, kind of rotational uh, placements and, you know, almost like a, a paid internship apprenticeship program before uh, making a final decision on a candidate. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. Thanks for that deep dive into the kind of education <laughs> corporate gap there. Uh, well, awesome. Elena, tell us a little bit more about your motivation. What gets you up and keeps you going every day? Uh, I'm just excited about what I do. And I know it sounds maybe just very, I don't know, silly to say, but I, I, I really genuinely enjoy what I do. I, 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 I've learned a long time ago that I'm an individual that likes to do many things at the same time. And some people can argue it's not efficient, it's, you know, and it's not effective because your attention is split. I've learned for years and years after hearing all the people tell me you need to focus, you need to focus that the way I get creative and excited is when I'm doing five different things at the same time. But the, the beautiful part about what I do is that everything is around talent. So whether I'm talking on a podcast or, you know, on my own podcast or a guest like this one, I talk about talent. Um, whether I do my career coaching, it's about talent. Whether I work with organizations, it's about talent. So I think it feeds the larger kind of animal and the, the larger house of Elena, if you want to call it that, that, that kind of feeds that. And there's so much that I want to do within that, that that's, that's what I don't, I don't, I almost don't need motivation. <laughs> it's almost just like, it's just, it's just part of my life life um and i've worked years to get here to cre truly create this you know environment for myself where i can you know i can do what i enjoy something that i'm good at hopefully right and i can monetize on it because that's important right um so not all hobbies you can monetize on so i try to balance between you know monetizing because we all have responsibilities and also continuing to do things that are fun mm, absolutely i love it well, that's a great segue into your dreams and goals. You said you have a big vision for what you want to do in the talent space. Tell us about some of the vision, dreams, goals that you have for kind of your career and just your life moving forward. Sure. So um, so on the talent side, I guess on my work with individuals, I haven't, haven't, haven't had so many jobs. So between, you know, the age of 14 until I got into like my first professional job, like post my master's degree, I've had more than 17 different jobs and because I never really could find what is that I want to do. Right. So I just kept going and going and like, and I felt like such a loser because I was like, oh, I was like, everybody has, everybody has these pathways and everybody's just like staying in these jobs for such a long time. And I'm, I'm over here. Like I, I do this for a year and I felt like something was wrong with me. Like I would do some for six months or a year or like, you know, two years max. I remember that was like, for me, it's like, whoa, that's a long time. Um, and I realized it's because I just never found what I like to do. So I created my own space and I found that thing, which is talent, right? Um, and so, so my, my aim on professional side is to help other people do that as well, because I really truly believe that. And you and I both know right now is the best time uh, to, to, do, to create that because now there's so many opportunities to freelance, to experiment, to volunteer, to, to truly create and feed that, that piece of you that you're like, oh, I really would love to try that. You know, like, I wish I was able to do that. Now's the time to do that. So that's one of my dreams is like really just, you know, helping individuals through the talent programs that I have, through the work with, with corporates, et cetera. Um, I also have a nonprofit that is Bloom Youth that is really focused on youth uh, young people, particularly in low socioeconomic areas and people that just simply can't afford or, or don't have access to some of the things the, to, to even go to a university, to even have a chat with a career advisor. So growing that and trying to add value through those initiatives. Um, right now I'm trying one more time? Bloom Youth. Oh, gotcha. Bloom Youth. And so, um, and that's, that's what that's about. That's a big dream of mine is because I feel like, you know, we could all, if we, you know, if if individuals globally could have jobs they enjoy right and i know that's not always 100 percent possible but at least if you can have that something in your day that you enjoy doing that feeds your creative side that feeds your technical side that feeds whatever side you need to feed 
and you can be fulfilled as an individual, ultimately, it just makes for a better world, right? Because nobody walks around miserable and angry. If they enjoy what they do and they enjoy their day, etc. your mental health is impacted if you hate what you do. And, and the reality is you don't have to keep doing these things, right? In most cases, people that are probably listening to this, people that have roof over their, their head, they have food to eat, you know, they're in a safe environment, hopefully, you have access to those things it's about kind of just maybe guiding you to that access or kind of opening up your eyes to that access because again we don't know what we don't know so creating access for those for that youth uh is very important to me um so because i think that we're missing out on a whole lot of people that are ju- just don't have access because it's not a fair world right uh and and life is not fair and we all know that so if i'm able to kind of help some of those um young people uh, particularly again those that don't have access um, create those opportunities for themselves. That that's a big dream for me. I love it. I love it. So growing bloom youth to create access for youth. There was one more you kind of briefly said before you jumped into that. What was that one? Uh, that was around talent. So helping individuals. So already like kind of experienced professionals, um, or just on a more corporate level. Um, so helping those corporations create uh, those kind of environments for their employees. And also making sure that those employees are are growing within those companies in a way that makes sense for both. Statistically, so there, I, I love reports. And so Gallup, which is a company that does a lot of research within this space, they do report every year. And um, are you familiar with that one, by the way? I'm not. You know what I'm talking about? So it's a really fun, fascinating one. So they do a report every year. Basically, they ask a whole bunch of people globally and say, you know, how much do you enjoy your work? <laughs> and they have different criteria to simplify. They have different criteria in terms of what does it mean to enjoy your work? How engaged are you? And take a guess. What do you think percentage-wise globally and multinational companies, so like these, you know, corporate jobs, percentage-wise, how many people you think are satisfied with their job? Meaning they're lucky they're okay to come to work and... You know, they're happy to be there. Satisfied. Oh, I don't know. Like 40% are satisfied? 50%? About 15 to 20%. <laughs> so majority of them, like depending on which, I mean, most reports, there's besides Gallup, there's other ones that do that. And most reports show about 75 to 80% of people are disengaged disengaged by their definition meaning they're just like they're just not really you know they're just doing it because they have to um they're not really present um there's a lot of impact of course on presentism and leaveism where people are kind of there they're you know online but they're not really producing so they're not really being productive it's not really driving them it's not something that gives them energy etc so majority of the people in the world are completely dissatisfied with what they do and a big part of it go back to higher education because you study something that you know you you don't have guidance you never had work experience in many cases until you graduate from college like real experience right you were then in depth in many cases you were then in depth so the first job you get you get the golden uh, cufflinks is that what not cufflinks uh, what is it called um uh, uh handcuffs golden handcuffs. handcuffs handcuffs golden handcuffs right because you got your first paycheck your bills are paid you're good and you don't really have time to wiggle because now you're stuck you have you have you have bills to pay from your higher education so it's like a loop and then you can't leave so you simply say and it's just it's like a snowball effect that just keeps going and then you're at mid-level or senior level in your career and you're like how did i get here i hate what i do and then you try to take a change make a change and then you contact me <laughs> and so through hundreds of hundreds of people i've realized that a lot of times this is actually what happens on those reports are pretty accurate so if we can minimize that number of people dissatisfied, that's another goal on the corporate side for me. I feel that. And I'm just curious, when people are dissatisfied with their jobs, what are the top reasons that you usually come across or that the Gallup poll comes across um, or that you would hypothesize? Yeah, um, so I, I, have my, I, have, I have my own theories on this, but I can tell you, um, so, one, so not my own theory, but just the fact is just what I just told you, is that unfortunately, a lot of people just don't have a choice. Like they, they're so, they're, they, it's not that they don't have a choice. To change careers is not easy. Most people have, what I've noticed in my, my experience working with individuals, what I've noticed is that a lot of times people don't know what they want. Part of that goes back to we don't make time to think to ourselves. We don't make time to reflect. We are just so busy doing, 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 doing that next thing you know, you're, you know, in your 40s 
and it seems that you know you should be happy because you have a family you're driving the car you wanted you know maybe you're financially well off maybe not but you kind of feel like at that point you should have it figured out that's the kind of that's what we aim for like well maybe i should have it maybe i should be satisfied now and you're not and that's when you start to think and that's what we call a midlife crisis <laughs> right so so part of it is that we're just so busy doing, doing, doing that once we kind of get into that corporate job and, to, and it goes into that snowball effect and then we don't re- and time goes by so fast, we don't stop and pause and then you end up in that situation. And so you're dissatisfied and then you kind of stuck. Right. So part of it is I don't know how I got there. Part of that is I know how I got there, but I don't know how to get out. So I'm going to stay here because it's comfortable. I know it. It's the it's the it's it's the comfort zone. So it's very difficult. And the older we get, the more difficult it is to change. Change is difficult for people. It's very because we're wired biologically to either fight or flight. Right. So whenever change comes to mind, imagine you've been working for somewhere. You're pretty comfortable. You're making a certain amount of money. And all of a sudden you're like, I need to change because I don't like what I do. You have all those things that are saying you have responsibility. Maybe you have bills and family, and et cetera. So it's very difficult to make that change, to be fair. And but my answer to that is sometimes it's going to take a month. Sometimes it's going to take five months. Sometimes it's going to take two years to make that change. But it's possible. And I see it every day. People do it every day. So these are the two big ones that I've seen in my experience. Um, a bigger part is also, again, I, I so I do this poll when I do sessions and I've done sessions for thousands of people at this point on group sessions over there are several over the last several years. And when I do group sessions, I ask people, you know, how much time do you spend, you know, do you spend any time thinking about what's next in your career? Do you spend time reading future work reports? You know, are you curious about how you can build your personal brand? Majority, I mean, like 95% of the people never think about their career proactively. Yeah. They don't think about their career proactively. That's the reality. Um, and it's very difficult to, to, to find what you're looking for if you don't even start, if you don't even check yourself. So, so that's, that's always surprising. It's not surprising, but, you know, kind of makes me sad sometimes, but yeah. Yeah. Do you think there could be a world where corporations set aside time during work, like just across the board, it becomes the norm for people to like really get clear on what they want their life to look like for the sake of employee satisfaction? Well, they are, um, realistically, would they go out and call it that? No, (laughs) probably not. (laughs) No corporation, because at the end of the day, as much as corporations want to push like the well-being and like, I remember during the pandemic, it was all like well-being and all that. And people and you know, corporations like we are going to be, you know, we care about your well-being and all that really meant for them is they're going to send you a yoga mat. Maybe they'll get (laughs) you a Fitbit. And that's meaning, you know, we care about your well-being. But then you still have the you're still overworked and your manager still is mean to you and et cetera. So anyway, so I mean, being a realist, I, I, I don't think it's going to be that. I think that these generations coming up are definitely pushing for that balance. So I think you might see more balance. Now we already see the four, 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 four day work week that's already being experimented strongly. I foresee that that's probably going to come into reality sooner than later. A lot of the um, government entities, they do this like every other week, they have like a Monday off or like a Friday off. So they kind of rotate. So it's already implemented in many places today. So I think maybe the excuse will be like, well, you already have a four days. What more do you want type thing? They will never say it, but something along those lines. Um, companies now, of course, like the Googles of this world, I think it's like 10% of your time every year or every month or whatever it is, is going to be dedicated to you working on passion projects, right? But the reality is that it's not just saying we give you this benefit to do your, your, your thing and, and, you know, on Thursday from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m., you do whatever you want if there's no structure around it. So if your manager is still paying you or if you still have work that needs to be done, naturally as an employee if you care about your job you're going to be like let me just do this right Mm -hmm. so i almost feel like it doesn't work i don't think it's an i don't think an organization should again my opinion you know I'm, i'm i'm happy to kind of be proven wrong but my opinion it shouldn't be the organization that creates that it's us as individuals that need to create that space in our lives we should not wait for an organization to create that space for us because then we'll be waiting forever and it's it's relying on an external party to control 
when we decide what we want to do with our life, right? So I think also like sometimes employees, as employees, we can be a little bit unrealistic in terms of what an organization should or shouldn't do for me. And it's like, well, you're not, not, you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for yourself. So if you don't have an hour every week to spend reflecting on what you want to do, I would, I would audit your time. How are you, what are you doing? Do you know what I mean? So (laughs) that's your life. Nobody, you know, like I always say, like nobody cares about your life like you do, you know, maybe hopefully your parents, but aside from that, the reality is like, don't wait for an organization to do that. I don't think it's ever going to happen in that, in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. I I also just think it's, um, it's interesting to think about because I genuinely believe if every employee working for an organization was 100% content to be there, felt like they had chosen to be there and weren't held there by financial pressures, um, organizations would do better. Like I think they would perform better. But I also think the reality is a lot of people just wouldn't work their jobs if they were financially free. (laughs) That's just what the, what the reality would be. And so I could see, yeah, I could see a world where it's beneficial for organizations to do that. But before that world became a reality, a lot of organizations would fall because nobody enjoys working there is how I think it would happen. I mean, listen, at this point, I'll just take, you know, like, I think we should just reach to a point that even if you are at an organization for a short period of time, maybe it's a year or two years, that's pretty normal these days, right? Like the turnover rate natural is like two to three years, you're expected to change. That's pretty normal these days. Like it's adjusted significantly. So, but at least do your job, you know, like let's, let's start with that. Like do quality work. And I always say it's not for the organizations for yourself. And that's what goes back to if you enjoy what you do, you're there to learn and to grow as an individual. So then you can continue to create that life for yourself, to create that career, to create that business on the side, et cetera. So, you know, if I had an ask, like uh, from an employee perspective, I think if we can just do quality work about just our jobs, if we just start with that, because I feel like a lot of people don't do that, it goes back to because they're disengaged and you see how it's like a whole thing. It's like a, it's like a full thing, right? Um, so I don't know where to begin with that. I think education is it. This is why I always go back to the education piece, you yeah. know, because that's, that's the root of the problem essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And I like how you kind of touched on mm, like fundamental character traits there, like very simple things like do quality work, doing quality work consistently. It may be simple, but it's not always an easy task, especially when you're disengaged. It takes a certain amount of discipline. And when you do the quality work and develop those character traits, it makes you that much more likely to succeed at what you actually want to be doing. And so I like, I like your little point of view there. Um, Well, awesome. Let's go ahead and talk about some of the skills and actions that are going to get you to these dreams and goals. Mm -hmm. What are those top one or two skills you need to develop right now to make your dream life come true? Uh, well, figure out what your dream life is, first of all. <laughs> yeah. Start with the basics. What is it that you want? If you don't know what you want, you know, if there's a number of videos and literature and research and all sorts of things that just Google about it. I always tell people, I'm surprised how many people just don't Google stuff. You know what I love? Um, so, uh, oh my gosh, what's his name? Oh gosh, it's called on um, Gary V. So Gary, uh-huh. Gary Vernichuk, of course, I'm sure many people know. So he's like the... He's very known for his content and media presence. So one thing that I love that he said one time is somebody on camera asked him, they said, why do you, you know, cause he puts a lot of the like practical ways to, you know, achieve certain success and whatever out there. Right. And I remember he said, he, they said, well, aren't you afraid um, that somebody's going to take this information and maybe create something or whatever else? And then there was another guy, he was like, I'm afraid to put my stuff out there because what if people copy it and steal that? And, and, and Gary's V answer was brilliant. He said, I put all this, he said 98% of the stuff, like he puts everything out there because majority of the people won't even do, won't even take this and do it because the action is where it's at. So, you know, so I always say like, you can, you can tell people exactly what they need to do, but unless they actually want to put in the work, it's not going to happen. Right. Um, so I think figuring out putting in the work yourself to figure out what is what is it that you truly want to do if you don't know how to do it if you don't know what to do start exploring if you don't know where to start start exploring in different ways one talk to as many people as possible ask about people's career stories so this is why i love podcasts you know timmy like i love podcasts like think about how much you learn from these things i learned a whole lot i'm sure you do too like talking to you the other day like every conversation i have i learn 
So having as many conversations as possible, and there's multiple ways to do that. I'm not going to go into detail. If somebody wants to know, I'm happy to provide further resources, but multiple ways to connect with different people. It will give you a clear idea of things you don't know because you're like, oh, I never thought about this. Oh, this person did their career like this, or they did this. I didn't know this. It opens up a whole world of information. Another thing is experimenting. Think about what is it that you enjoy doing? Just as simple as that. I know it sounds so simple, but it's really that simple to start with. What do I like to do? What are my skill set? What do people usually come to me for advice for? What do people, you know, if I were to, or send an anonymous survey to your network and be like, hey, if you were to come to me for advice, what would you come to me for? Start to get an idea. What do you, what do people see value in you as? Not just what, how you see yourself, but how do other people see you? You might find out that actually you have skills you didn't even think about. And then go and experiment with that. And by that, I mean volunteering, doing mini projects, giving your time for the sake of experience. I think we, we are so focused on like, how am I gonna make money? This is my time. And we're so proud these days. We forget that every experience, whether paid or unpaid, is gonna give us the experience. We need to figure out what we wanna actually do. And to give us that confidence to be like, oh, I can actually start a business because, you know, I've done these several projects to somebody else. They gave me great feedback. I know how to do it. I feel confident. And now I'm going to start charging. But it takes time to get there. So, so I, I think these are kind of uh, the, the basic steps. I don't know if you want me to go into more detail, well, but I'm mindful because I can spend hours on this. So tell me if you want me to dive deeper. No, no, I love it. I love all that advice. These questions are actually geared towards you specifically so like oh how i'm i'm doing what i'm doing oh gosh yeah, so what skills can you develop you to grow bloom youth and help individuals on the corporate level what skills do you need to develop to further your dreams and goals oh okay okay i went down the wrong rabbit hole okay it was well, a I'm great one my, it was a great okay rabbit. well i'm looking at my well this is the things that i tell myself so i've done so i'm looking at my whiteboard so i have actually so i have my goals of course for the year every year um, and then I have actions that I need to take weekly, monthly, daily, weekly, monthly, and I'm literally looking at them. So daily, so I, the first priority I always have is uh, fitness. So fitness and nutrition. So it's very important for me to move. It's very important for me to to eat somewhat whole foods, you know, stay away from, from alcohol and these sort of things. You know, try to live a balanced life when it comes to these things. Um, uh, daily reading, daily journaling, writing, um, creating content. That's a daily little pieces, like 10, 15 minutes here and there that I do. I'm not a huge fan of meditation. I have it here, but meditation for me is more around like even going for a jog. That's a form of meditation. I know it's not exactly that. Um, uh, uh, an acquaintance of mine uh, uh, who was always on a also on my podcast, Mark Metry, he argued and he said, that's not really meditational. And I'm like, okay, fine, I get it. You know, so if he's listening to he's going to he's going to get a kick out of it. Uh, weekly, there's certain activities such as um, contributing to magazines, so contributing to publications, speaking engagements. Um, this is something that I do. I reach out. I do my own PR. I do my own content creation. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't have anybody working for me. I do have some some designer people that that kind of do stuff. But the rest of it is really just creating content and putting myself out there. So brand building. Right, that that all feeds into to what I do. Growing my LinkedIn audience, daily post. I post on daily on LinkedIn about topics that I care about. So when you visit my LinkedIn, it's very clear what Elena is about, which is career and education. <laughs> Monthly, it's getting on podcast, uh, doing interviews, uh, promoting my book. I recently wrote a book with my um, uh, business partner called "The a Rough Guide to Awesome Leadership." That's something that came out like a month ago. So that's something we're doing as well. So there's these different activities um, around that. I'm also continuing my education. So I'm actually studying at George Mason University. I'm doing the cognitive, um, cognitive behavioral neuroscience, like from a neuroscience perspective, but not like a clinical scientific degree. It's more of like how I can use this in my coaching practice because that, the behavior change is what I'm interested in. How can people make behavior change in a way that is effective in a way that is brain friendly? And so I'm educating myself and actually getting certified in that to make sure that I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I know how to do, how to actually get it done on a more solid level. So I can keep going, but there's a lot of things that I do. So that's 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 the that's the kind of the the, the daily, weekly, monthly. I love it. I love that you're so organized and that you have it like coined out right there. <laughs> Um, that's awesome. What character trait do you most need to develop right now to make sure your dream life comes true? Um, last year, I, I was working on being disciplined, and I think I've gotten that. So discipline was a big thing. Um, this year, for me, it's I, I still have some insecurities and confidence challenges, believe it or not. 
so uh, people always tell me like they would never think that but I do I think I need to overcome my own limiting beliefs so from a character trait perspective like I think that I struggle with that the most uh, which is probably why I'm always like trying to overachieve is to 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 feed that little child in me that still feels insecure and lack of confidence um, just to be very transparent so I think I, I think just you know, given my, you know, not being so harsh on myself, I, I think that's probably one of my biggest obstacles is that I tend to stop myself from certain things. I got you. You know, yeah. Later in the podcast, we were going to jump into limiting beliefs. So I feel like now is a perfect time to go there. If you had to put words yeah. to those limiting beliefs, I noticed you said not being harsh, lack of confidence. Would those be the words you used or would you say your main limiting belief in a different way? I also have to give the prerequisite here mm -hmm. that these are more personal questions. If you want to yeah. pass on any of them, <laughs> no, feel no, free no, to say I pass. No, no, no. I don't mind to be personal. I just don't know what's the answer to be honest. Like I don't, I, I mean, I do, but um, I, I would say it's just this need. It's just, it's, I'm always playing catch up and I, I haven't, I haven't done the work to figure out why I'm always playing catch up in my head. Like I'm always feel like if I, when I tell people what I do and they're like, how do you have the time? And I'm like, it's not in my head. It's not enough. So I think just maybe, uh, uh, you know, be, being enough to my own self. But again, part of me is because I just that's how I function. So part of me is like, maybe this is the dis dysfunctional way that I function, right? Is that I'm just always like, go, go, go. And maybe, maybe that's just how I am. I was I was watching something funny. I forget what it was. Or somebody said it and they said, and, and it was like, well, don't you want to go for therapy to, to therapy for this? And this woman, I forgot who it was. And she's like, no, because then it will ruin my personality. And I don't want to be, I, I like who I am because that's what drives me. I'll probably never achieve. Oh, it was um, uh, Cochran. Uh, what's her name? Cochran, the, 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 shark, the shark tank lady. Uh, uh, Deborah Cochran? Uh, uh, Barbara? Barbara? No, Barbara Car yeah, ba Barbara, I guess. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I know I have issues, but that's how I operate. And if I didn't, I wouldn't be the success that I am today if I, if I went to therapy and fixed it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I always think about, you know, I'm like, I don't really want to fix that because that's what drives me. Like this part of these limiting beliefs is like, it's like, it keeps me going. It's like, okay, that, that was good, but we can do better, you know? And so, and that's that whole thing of like, well, it's, you know, it's not good enough yet. And, and, you know, so maybe, maybe I don't know if that answers the question, but yeah. Yeah. To me, it sounds like your limiting belief is the fact that you think these are limiting beliefs. Well, maybe. <laughs> like, it just seems... Tell me more. <laughs> it, it seems like you, you really like that side of you. And yeah. uh, like to, to coin a side of you that you like as a limiting belief, I feel like is what is limiting. It's like yeah, stopping you from fully embracing that side of you because maybe you always like to play catch up, but it could also be like, I'm always innovating. I'm always creating. I'm always, you know what I mean? You could use different See, I don't even need, I, you just saved me hundreds of dollars of therapy in the future, if not thousands. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so serious. I should, maybe, maybe I should look at it that way. I mean, I should know better, but you see, we just had a mini coaching session right there. <laughs> I'm going to start changing. I'm going to say, I love creating. And that, that's a good point. That's a great point. I never, I didn't think about it that way, honestly. So, yeah. 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 Well, awesome. Sounds like you have no limiting beliefs. Then. No. Well, I'm <laughs> sure there are some, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> we solved the big ones. So thank you for that. <laughs> the invoice. <laughs> there we go. Awesome. Love to do it. Well, cool. Now we're going to jump back and ask you. If there are one or two people you could meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take that next step towards your dreams and goals, who would they be and how would they do it? Uh, I also have, so it's funny, I'm, it's so bad. Like I sort of realized how, 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 I don't know, good or bad, but a little bit crazy I am. So I also have a list of inspiring leaders that is on my board right here. <laughs> so. <laughs> So people that I genuinely look up to, so I'll, I'll read them out to you and then I would meet any of them. So not in any particular order, Tim Ferriss, of course, I don't know if you know the Tim Ferriss, I love him. I love, I love that he's like a one man show. He has some team, but I just love his work and his experimentation with stuff. Sarah Blakely, of course, the founder of um, Spanx. Uh, she's awesome. Joe Rogan, because I feel like he, he's like such a multifaceted individual who just does so many things. Andrew Huberman, who is the professor at Stanford. Uh, he does the neuro neuroscience and, and all sorts of things. 
Uh, Michelle Obama, because I don't know, I just like her as a woman. I think, you know, she, she does awesome things. And Alicia Keys, I love Alicia Keys for the grace that she carries and the, the realness and the, the family life. And she's just, I feel like she's so balanced. So literally these are, these are the people that I kind of look up to in general, in terms of when I look at characters, like character traits of individuals, um, I really enjoy these. And they, and they tend to stay away from controversy pretty much. I mean, maybe besides Joe Rogan, but you know, I, I'm on team Joe Rogan, so I don't listen to the controversy around him. Um, but and, and how they would help, I think just, I don't even know, because I'm a person who likes to do everything herself. So I don't even, I wouldn't even, I don't ask for help, and maybe that's my issue. Um, I, have, I have, I have, that's one of my, uh, my things that I just, I'm very bad at asking for help. So um, I think just being, I think just learning from them is enough. Just the content they put out, their stories, their career stories, their business stories, just the work that they do in the world is enough. Honestly, like I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even have an ask, honestly, like I can't, I, because I, I have a very, I have a big issue with asking in general. I'd love to interview them, <laughs> you know, that's like the, probably the, the, the biggest thing. So, but yeah. Uh, this might be a little pushy, so you don't have to answer it, but I'm going to ask okay. it anyway. Um, if you had to ask for help right now in one area of your life with one thing, what would be the thing that you would ask for help on? Mm -hmm. Uh, if I were to ask for help, um, that's how difficult it is. I, I have an answer, but let, let, give me a second. Uh, if I were to ask for help, what would I need help with? I would say, um, I don't even know. I, I swear to I don't because everything that I that everything that I need right now, I'm kind of working on that already. Uh, I would. I. I, I kind of I know what I need to do, so I don't even know. I, I mean. I guess branding maybe like you know how do you how do you how do you you know get that brand out there like you know maybe like in a, in a better way like be, let me let me do this maybe being more confident to put my brand out there more strongly i feel like i could do better with that and something is stopping me and i don't know what but part of me feels like it's just a matter of time like i, I feel like that i just i'd rather go slow that's how i feel i feel like maybe i'm just maybe it's just step by step so that's the i don't that's a great question i don't even know what i would ask for i'm I feel like I'm I'm doing everything I feel I I, I need to be doing, <laughs> you know, on my own. But a, a push in all these areas might be good. But I, again, I have an issue with asking, so yeah, um, I wouldn't even know. I got you. I got you. Yeah. But the the one thing you kind of could come up with was the confidence in branding, like, putting yourself like out brand, there. brand, putting myself out there. Yeah, because uh, I still kind of uh, go like I. And, you know, I try to create programs and even in my coaching practice, I try to make sure that I'm really applying like the science and I'm really kind of doing effective work. Like I don't even promote myself as a coach, actually. It's probably one of the few times that I talk about it because everything's through referrals and recommendations. That's how I work. Um, and part of that is because I don't like to sell myself as a coach because I want to give value and I want to create a change in an individual and then that individual to, to sell me, essentially, if, if they choose to do so. So that I have an issue with self-promotion, I guess you want to call that, on like a larger scale. Like I'll talk about what I do, you know, but I'm not going to be like on LinkedIn, like, hey, you know, or talk about coaching or, you know, all, all that stuff. Um, I try to just do it behind the scenes and, and make an impact. And hopefully that impact will speak for itself, I guess. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So is it an issue with sales in general or do you feel like you're being pushy when you um try to sell somebody like what is the um if you had to put uh, it in words well i can sell i can sell you anything you want i just can't sell myself i can sell you any i'm a good salesperson like i can sell you whatever if, if i feel if i feel good and passionate about a product i'm not going to be selling like pepsi products for example not to shame pepsi but you know but i because i don't believe in that but i if you if i if something i believe in you're selling i'll sell it for you I'll sell you before I sell myself. <laughs> I'm very convincing, believe it or not. Like I'm very, I'm, I'm good at sales. It's more of my own. Like I, I don't know how to like sell myself in a way that's not cheesy or like push you. Like, you know, I feel like, I don't know. I just don't like that approach. It's weird. I got you. I got yeah. you. Do you feel pushy when you sell other people's products? No. Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I have some of the, um, same kind of feelings there. So I'm partially asking you questions and hope for an answer to my <laughs> issues. <laughs> I don't have an answer, but let me know if you figure, I'll let you know if I figure it out. 
Yeah, I can sell other people's stuff. Like I'm, you know what I mean? Like I'll sell you. Like if I believe in whatever you're doing, I'll, 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 I'll promote you to people. But promoting myself or something like that, if you don't, especially like cold, cold ways and stuff, I, I'm, I'm, I'm better at like building relationships. So then it kind of comes naturally, you yeah. know. So um, I'm better at that. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing that kind of switched my um, kind of idea about sales and helped me confront it, um, and so I was more good with the cold outreach was when Dean Graciosi, do you know who that is? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's a boss, but he mm -hmm. was talking about how sales is service and how, like, when you know you have something of value, which you 150% do, like I guarantee mm -hmm. that anybody listening to this podcast will also guarantee that when you have something of value for you not to sell it is actually a disservice to people because you're not even giving them the opportunity to change their lives or get them on the career path or you know if you getting them on the career path helps their family which helps them be a better father which you know does whatever all that stuff um and th that kind of convicted me a little bit when i was feeling similarly about sales and then mm -hmm. you know the feelings pop back up so maybe i need to go listen to dean again yeah <laughs> yeah i'm gonna do that the same send, yeah. send me that <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a thrive challenge. I don't um know if they still do it, but um I'm sure there's mm -hmm. a clip on YouTube too. I'll try to find it and send it to you, but it was a good little clip, sales as service and looking at yeah. it that way and it really changed my mind on stuff cuz I did feel sleazy about cuz I know how to influence people. I'm really good at that. Right. Mm. But like just doing it to sell something to yeah. line my pocket with money felt yeah, a little icky. So I'm with you. Yeah. I awesome. feel that. Well, now we're going to jump into our thriving 3. <laughs> These are much lighter questions. <laughs> so here we go. Good, I'm gonna start sweating in a minute if you go out to keep talking. Gosh, I feel like I'm going through a therapy session. I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but good job. I like it. I like it. Of course. What's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one of them. Uh, Andrew Huberman <laughs> podcast. Yep. I love that. Uh, for the book, I, I really love it. And it's just a classic uh, for me is the, the Four Agreements oh. by um, Ruiz. I forget the last name now, but yeah. Oh, now it's the five agreements. <clears throat> That's brilliant. I, I, I reread it all the time. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. 100%. And what is one way you like to take care of yourself? Uh, workout. There we go. And do you like to lift? Or are you more a cardio person? Do you primarily do boxing? Both. I, I, I like to mix it up. I get bored. I love weights. I love cardio. I love runs. I love biking. I love boxing. Uh, hit anything anything like I, I, I want to like get my heart pumping I'm not like a yoga person although yoga does do that but I force myself to go to yoga but it, I I need like I need to walk away like <sighs> like out of breath yeah you know like whatever gets that I'm good I gotcha I gotcha and what is one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to meet Tim Ferriss, Sarah Blakely, Joe Rogan, Andrew, uh, and Michelle, people. or Alicia, one of them. Continue to just do what I continue to do what I do. And um, I, I don't know, because I, I, this is like, this is the thing, like, I'm never like, I, it's so hard for me to even reflect on that. I feel like, you know, it's, uh, it would be such a privilege. And so it's um, hopefully just to continue to get better to elevate myself through education, through my experience, through the work that I do um, to, 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 you know, to walk among the stars, I guess. I don't know. One day, eventually, many, many, many years down the line, you know, yeah. to just be better at everything that I do, to what? get to that level, to be at their quality of the things that they do and deliver. And so, yeah. For sure. For sure. I mean, continue to build the brand. Like, that's goal. Yeah. You know, you'll that's get there. It, yeah. Awesome. We got one last question for you. And I want to frame this next question. Alex Hormozy, do you know who that is? I think so. It sounds familiar, but... You've got to watch his I YouTube might, channel. I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> might. I might know. Maybe if I see it. Okay. He's such a beast, but um, he, he's not that well-known, honestly. But he is awesome. So Alex Hormozy said that the difference between manipulation and help is intent. And I think his point here is that you're influencing people in both situations. But manipulation is about getting somebody to do something you want them to do, while help is about seeking to understand what somebody else wants and then helping them get there. So mm -hmm. this question is going to be about help, not manipulation. Mm -hmm. There's a common saying that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Mm -hmm. I actually found out from Dr. Alan Laika, who's a guest on my mm -hmm. show, that you can get a horse to drink. You just have to salt its oats. 
Now, I want you to think of a person with a fixed mindset, not willing to accept help, not willing to accept change, and they hate their life. How can we, you and I, create an environment not to make the choice for them, but to salt their oats and help them change their life? So in these situations, I, um, I think getting them into that environment, into, into our environment. And that's the, that's, that's the difficult part, right? Because for a person to change, I believe environment does matter. So I think that it's like, it's like by default, if you're around people that are, you know, creating and driving, and I think even you and I, we talked about that uh, on my podcast, like, you know, if you're around people that are just continuously trying to be better and they're just genuinely focused on, you know, going forward, they're not gossiping, they're not, they're not watching the media and the news and all that, and they're just focused and excited about their day, I think by default, the people around you, whoever, even if that is that negative mindset person, they're going to adjust. We, I feel like I see this often, right? Um, and on the flip, but then the flip side is that people that are that are you know that are trying to driving forward, etc. Don't always want that negative person around, right? Because we don't surround ourselves with these kind of people. Facts. So, but I think just physically putting them in that space into that environment will transform them, which is very difficult to do, obviously. But I think that's the that's one of the. I mean, if, we, if what you and I can do, that's probably what you and I can do. The rest of it, I mean, I don't know, a number of things, uh, some kind of therapy. I don't, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah. mean, there are medical, there are medical ways to also, you know, like uh, clinical ways, so to say, to, to get people to, you know, uh, they don't, because not, not everybody has access to environments like that. Yeah. So that's another challenge. There's a lot of people that like, I want to change, but my environment sucks. And, um, and actually I do have an advice for that if somebody wants it, but um, I'd rather be alone than in bad company. So I'd rather listen to my podcasts and be alone and listen to people, you know, these mentors that I've mentioned that are far away mentors, right? Because it's all, that's creating my own environment, you yeah. know? So I think even as individuals, if, if they're like in a bad situation, they're just like, man, everybody around me sucks. I don't have a way out. I don't have, I don't have opportunities to get out and be in different people. I think like, I mean, again, like podcast uh, videos, like watching, feeding yourself that and, and virtually creating that environment for yourself can do wonders and staying away from the bad vibes. Yeah, 100%. I love that. Well, awesome. Elena, that's all we got for you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Tim. And great questions. Of course. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Elena had to say, make sure to hit her up. She's really active on LinkedIn. All the ways to contact her will be down in the show notes. Oh, we didn't talk about your podcast that much. Tell us a little bit about it before we go. Oh, that's, that's okay. Um, well, go watch the show where you and I talked on my podcast just last week. So um, the, the podcast is about everything we're talking about, the shift. It's called Shift uh, Shift with Elena Agad, available on all platforms. It's helping people make the shift. So I invite people like yourself and many others to come and talk about their own journeys and how they made the shift and what gets them creative and what gets them going and, and what helps them create environments where they can thrive and do what they enjoy. There we go. All the ways to contact her and watch the show will be down in the show notes. Thank you guys for watching. We will see you on the next one. And on that note, we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one -on -one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.